Welcome to the first Mission Baby podcast. When I got married, I told my husband, it may take us a year or two. It didn't occur to me that it could even take as long as it did. Fertility rates had fallen dramatically. Many countries are now on the verge of a baby bust. Infertility is extremely common. There are over 7 million people in the country who are experiencing infertility. These are doctors. We believe what doctors tell us. Infertility is considered a disease, and many of these couples don't know what to do or where to turn. This is a doctor that holds my happiness in his hands. I'm Danny, and turns out trying to get pregnant isn't easy. And I should know, after two long years of serious hard work and a lot of effort, I'm trying and pretty much failing at 34. And I'm Simone, a midwife who has branched out into the world of fertility. I've seen and learnt a lot, massive highs and tragic lows. But generally, I carry the baton of optimism and realism. I want to share what I can to help people who are experiencing issues now. Welcome to the Mission Baby podcast. So let's explain how we first met. Well, I started my first fertility support group and I saw an ideal candidate when I saw you Danny. (laughs) I think you're putting it very nicely. Simone actually found me sobbing in despair in the middle of a fertility clinic after getting the results of another failed round of treatment. But true to the superstar that she is she gave me a cuddle a hot chocolate and then introduced me to an incredible support group of women who have been complete game changers for me. As a health and beauty journalist and nutritionist by day and someone who is going through this firsthand quite literally at night, along with my co-host, the amazing fertility expert and pretty much my lifeline, Simone Lazarus. Together, we bring you an honest and frank conversation on fertility, a lot of facts, anecdotes and some seriously great guests. And maybe some tears, mainly from me. Be warned, I'm a woman on a lot of hormones. Over the next few episodes, we're going to bust fertility myths, ask all those important and often awkward questions, open your minds to the amazing new research and techniques out there, and help guide you through the minefield of infertility. And we are not going to lie, it's a huge minefield. So we're here to hold your hand and ask those questions you've always wanted to ask, from the lowdown on ovulation, male infertility, and second-line treatments, IVF, Egg freezing, donor eggs and sperm, the power of holistic therapy, nutrition, fitness, we're covering everything. So are you ready to join us? It's time we gain some clarity into this overwhelming world of conception and beyond. So Simone, we are going to talk about the fertility facts that every woman must know before entering, you know, the clinic or your first appointment. But where on earth do you start? It's just completely overwhelming. I think, honestly, as women, as humans, we are so unaware of our bodies. Yeah. We really have not got a clue how they work. I think as a, as a girl, you know that you get your period, but I don't think everyone understands about when they release their egg during the month, what's the most fertile time of the month. I think even even adults with children don't actually have a clue about how their body works. So I think that's got to be the first step. It's just understanding what happens when the best time of the month is. I'd even take it to the point where you have to understand and use what's out there effectively. Okay, so let's just look at the facts globally about infertility. So we know it's a huge problem globally. 
The World Health Organization say that actually one in four couples have infertility problems. Birth rates in the UK have hit an all-time low and there doesn't go a day when you don't see a piece in the press about infertility and it's talked about all the time. So what is happening, Simone? Why is it this huge problem? And also, why is it so prevalent at the moment? Like with everything in this whole field, there's a million answers. There isn't one specific answer for everybody. Honestly, yes, toxins do play a part. One of the biggest parts is that our lifestyles changed and the fact that we're trying to have children later isn't ideal. Society tells us that we need to go through the stages and maybe get financially secure and find a good partner is quite often helpful. Um, And quite often that doesn't happen when our eggs are most ready. There's so many different factors and it is different for everybody. But age has to be a major player in this. Right now, most of the time, people are getting married, maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, trying to start families. Whereas, let's go back maybe 20 years, people would have been getting married in their early 20s and starting to have children. So there's so many factors, but age is a massive one. And it's also the hardest one. So Simone, in your opinion, how long should you wait to get help? I think we should probably start with six months. If you haven't conceived in six months, doesn't mean you panic, but it doesn't mean you just start asking those questions and you make sure that you're timing your intercourse. Maybe you go to your GP and just get a set of blood tests done. Find out what is your um, hormone level. Is your body working in the way that it should be? Are you releasing your egg? You, you can just ask those basic questions after six months and then have in your mind a timescale of a year when you'd want to be having some further investigations if you haven't got pregnant. I just think empowering yourself with knowledge as you go on can only help. Yeah. Because if you're working on a background where you're not too sure about your ovulation or you don't know about your other half's semen quality, I went to my doctor and and then my clinic afterwards with pretty much no fertility awareness on both the male and the female side. Why do you think we're so unprepared with our information? Like, We're all conditioned not to get pregnant, right? As we are growing up, we get our periods and we start having boyfriends and everything's about not getting pregnant. So then when we twist it on its head and we want to then get pregnant, we're not too sure. I think we all know what types of contraception there are available, but do we know how to what we need to do at what time to create the baby absolutely not I absolutely and I didn't either but Google is like your friend or your foe and I obviously and I'm sure a lot of people do you go down this like rabbit hole in Google and what should you be doing what not to do it is actually the most highest ranked question in terms of you know what does cause infertility and I know obviously with women and men it's actually 50 50 but a lot of women think it's just purely them absolutely so what does cause infertility what are the main factors I think there are those key points for men that as a woman if you're wanting to get pregnant or as a couple if you're wanting to get pregnant you have to be aware that as boring as it may sound alcohol has an impact cigarette smoking has an impact any other recreational drugs will have an impact whether or not you go for massive long cycle rides will have an impact if you go and sit in the sauna for large amounts of time that's going to have an impact on your sperm. I think it's just being aware Mm. that it's not just a woman. That's a really, really old, outdated concept that we have to drive home. It's 50-50. Yes, the baby develops within the woman, but it's 50-50 in terms of ingredients used. Not effort, 
because I think the woman does have to work harder, but 50-50 in terms of ingredients. So the boy has to consider his ingredients. Um, How well is he looking after himself? He might have no signs, but the great thing with boys is that they can change their semen samples. And tell me how long the actual time frame for that to change is. They're so lucky, honestly. There's nothing fair about this world. So every three months, boys are going to get a new supply of sperm to work with. How amazing is that? As we know, baby girls, they have their complement of eggs that they're going to use to create their kids from the time that they're in their mummy's tummies. Whereas boys, <laughs> sorry, but boys get to change every three months so they could have an awful lifestyle and then change it completely and radically improve the chances of conceiving. So girls and boys have to be aware of both of the ingredients. And so the really big question is, we're obviously living longer, we're choosing to have children at a later age. So does age really matter when it comes to fertility? We have to really, really iron this out. Yeah. Crystal clear. Please do. As women, we are looking better and better the older we get. Yes, Simone. We are rocking it into our 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. We absolutely are. How don't, ever. Don't, don't, don't say it. Don't I've say got it. to because it breaks it. my heart. Our eggs get older. And when we read that Hello article or when we see on BBC News about this 60-year-old or 70-year-old or even 45-year-old who's just had a lovely, gorgeous baby, the fact is, the harsh truth is, as gorgeous as that baby is, they were not her eggs. Most definitely her baby most definitely a lucky baby, but they are not her eggs. And this really hurts because I meet people so often who come bouncing into the clinic and they look stunning and they are exceptionally professional in whichever field they've chosen to dedicate their life to. And these are formidable women. And when they get the facts about their hormone level or their egg reserve level, they change and they change towards me as if I'm telling them something absolutely awful. And I'm it is awful, but it's factual. And what breaks my heart is that they didn't know this before. So not only you told that news, but the language itself used is not that helpful. So you're considered geriatric mother at 35. For someone going through fertility treatment who's getting not the best news, feeling vulnerable and overwhelmed, to be then told, by the way, love, you're a geriatric, not that helpful. It is hard and healthcare professionals do need to think about the language they use. It tells a story. This is not going to be happy listening to you. At 32, I was an old mum and I remember thinking, oh my God, they're calling me old. They're calling me old time and time again. However, from the professional point of view, you have to consider different risks that do occur when a woman is in that older bracket. So I don't think they need to say things so we can hear, but they definitely have to take those factors into consideration, either when you are pregnant or when you're trying to conceive. It's it's not nice. It's not nice nice to hear. (laughs) So what is the ultimate optimum age to have a baby? You know, it sounds ridiculous. And I, if I had a daughter, which I don't, I would hate her to come home at 18 or 20 with a baby. But biologically, that's the optimal age to have a child. It just doesn't fit with our society, which is absolutely crazy. Um, we're not going to change our society. We're not going to change our bodies. I don't know how we're going to reconcile this situation. The only possible way is just knowledge. 
So this whole phenomena around social egg freezing, time will tell if it's really going to be the answer for a lot of people, but it's an option. And explain a little bit about that, because I think a lot of women are interested in it, but they don't quite understand egg freezing and the ins and outs of doing it. You follow partly the IVF process. Yeah. So you take additional hormones in order to grow more follicles a month in order to hopefully harvest more eggs. So the younger you are, the more you will get. I think the recommendation is that you do three cycles for optimal freezing quantities. However, even if you've got 30 eggs wow. frozen, that's not going to guarantee you a child. So it's partly an insurance policy, but it's not a complete insurance policy. And that's another big thing. I mean, how long do you want to investigate for? How long did you do tests for? Oh, God. Well, a long time. I mean, the whole process from stepping into the GP clinic to where I am now, which is about two and a bit years. You can go, I guess, as long as you want, or you can fast track straight to IVF or ICSI. But I think for me personally, starting slowly and softly was what I needed, which is why I went down the secondary route treatment before going straight to IVF. So I did you know, the hormones and and tried Clomid, I tried Letrozole, and then I graduated onto the IUIs, just because I felt like that's what suited me at that time, rather than go straight for IVF, which when I first went in the clinic was a really scary prospect. But as I know now, it's actually not that bad. (laughs) I don't ever think anyone thinks that they will ever need it. No, I no. think it's a big psychological step to say, what do you mean? Well, that's I why mean. it took me two and a half years. Like I had no idea about any of this. I mean, my mine is unexplained fertility, which is a whole head fuck. Sorry, I mean, excuse my French, but a massive head fuck to get your head around. It's unexplained. I mean, how can it be unexplained? Do you know, I, th- I think we have to take that word unexplained and we have to put it onto the shoulders of the professionals. Yeah, We have to put it onto the shoulders of the doctors and the consultants and the researchers, because the fact is human nature is so amazing. We don't know everything about humans. We don't. I know we like to think that we're so advanced and, you know, we've got our Apple products and we've got our our Samsung products, but we've got all of our tech around us. But there's so much that we don't understand. So how would you recommend preparing yourself emotionally for this? Because it, it is emotional roller coaster. It is. I think you have to be extremely honest. You have to step into the world of fertility with an open mind. I quite often see typically men and women, but typically men who don't want to show any vulnerability. This is hard. From the moment that we, so many girls play with pushchairs and prams with dolls inside. It's it's not something that we ever thought that there was going to be an issue with. From the playground, we're playing mummies and daddies and having a baby. That's a universal concept. People just expect that it's going to be okay. And then in life, you have to be quite tough sometimes, especially in your professional life. So you have to not show vulnerability and you have to go in and you know everything and you're the master of your world, which is fantastic. Whether you're an estate agent or you're a banker or you're a doctor or a chemist, fantastic, great. But when you come into a fertility clinic, I just think you need to be a little bit frank. You you don't know everything because the best doctors in the field don't know everything. So you need to be a little bit open to that fact. 
and that's hard for a lot of people mm. I think what I found the hardest was as you said not having you kind of relinquish control so you're controlling your day-to-day life you manage all your you know your work and your home life and everything and then suddenly you go into this world which you cannot control and you find out things that are beyond your control so what is the best way to cope through all of this because it is an emotional and raw journey it's a hard journey so hard and um, I say that I say that to everybody every day and it's they, beyond hard it's, it is beyond hard and they look at me like oh, we can do this it's fine and I think oh my gosh I'm sure you can but at least recognize at least register what's going to be happening and Danny you know what a lot of people don't last and that's the saddest that's the saddest thing to learn when people maybe have embryos frozen and and they have to contact us and say we want to get rid of all of them because we're no longer together or it's it's the hardest hardest thing because a there's a blame game Mm. which shouldn't be there but it it does exist you have the pressure the pressure from everything everyone money. money yeah totally pressure from all sides are coming at you not only is it emotionally it's physically tolling on the body it's emotionally draining and it's so overwhelming like it's impossible to cope sometimes but also it does come with this huge taboo and I found personally that I couldn't talk to anyone about it it felt like this sort of dirty secret almost it's so strange like you start talking to friends or you imply one little thing and then suddenly it just opens the floodgates and you realise actually you're not the only person in the world that's going through it. And that's what, I know it sounds strange, but quite profound for me because I felt so alone. And I knew through going on forums and, you know, Googling everything that other women were going through this. But who are these women? Can you reach out yeah, and touch them? Do well, they, you know, you when you're looking online or you're just reading a forum, it sometimes doesn't it's cold. feel very real. No, right. it's not real. But I have to say, like, what was a complete game change for me and what helped me both, you know, for my mental health was your support group that you set up because that has become like the most amazing lifeline. You know, these women, I, I don't know them that well, but I know them so well on this really personal level. And I just know that I, if I have any question that is like ridiculous or sa- sounds silly to me, or I just need a bit of emotional support, I can always turn to these women. And I have, you know, we have this WhatsApp group. And this is reason why I wanted to do this podcast because I know we've talked about it a lot. And it was very much that we wanted to bring that sense of community, that sense of support to the masses Danny I'm welling oh up my God, here don't, I'm completely welling don't, up don't here. because you know if you start I'll start <laughs> but you know on a on a really human level when do you have such a pure friendship with people you're going through the most painful thing in the world yet you all relate to each other in different ways and just oh my gosh you do get nice people people and and do you know what and they get it people who are not going through it just don't get it they don't get the toll it has not only on your relationship but your the physical aspect on your body like it is hard work just that everybody everybody's different got to keep remembering everybody's different but you need to let it out to somebody so even if you are an extremely private person and the idea of a support group is just really alien to you you need to be getting it out to someone. You need that one confidant who you can actually speak to because everything bottled up can only have a negative impact. And it's not a dirty secret. 
Let's remember how many clinics there are in the country, let alone in the world. Okay, I won't go to space, but, you know, there are so many clinics which are busy every day of the week. You are, of course, you're special, but (laughs) but there's a lot of people, Danny, just like you, who are struggling to go through it. So if you you internalise everything and think, it's only me, it's only me, that's got to have a negative impact on your mental state. And on your chances of conceiving. Also your body. Like I find that when I get stressed or I'm thinking about it too much, my body physically tightens up. You know, there's that saying, you know, you keep your issues in your tissues. And you do, you're keeping your stress and everything. That can't be good. That's not helping the situation if you're going through treatment. So Simone, taking it back to what's in the news at the moment, there is a lot about this postcode lottery for treatment and for IVF in particular. Can you just explain what on earth that means? You know, sadly, a lot of things in life boil down to money. Fact. Harsh fact, but fact. Every commissioning group in the UK have a budget and they have to decide based on their population what they want to do with that budget. So it could be that they have a lot of people with type 2 diabetes and they want to put more money into diabetic services. It could be they've got a large cohort of people with heart disease. They want to put the money into that area. So not every clinical commissioning group decides to put money into IVF. Tragic, yes. I'd like to think there's enough money to split everything fairly. These decisions are made at such a high level. I don't know if they're as transparent as they should be. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it might be that you've got a real elderly population and there's more hip and knee operations. But as I said, I don't know if it's as transparent as it should be, but that's the argument that's put forward as to whether or not IVF will be funded. So I started to look around, looked at different clinics, looked at the fertility clinic at my hospital, started to get on the wait list because I know that takes time. And in the meantime, by waiting, by being put on that wait list, I then looked at private clinics in the area went to a couple of open evenings which is where I met you (laughs) (laughs) oh I want to tell that story okay I think we have to now because you brought it up to me (laughs) best story honestly okay when does this ever happen I mean when does it I mean I wanted to find a clinic that was outside central London because I work in central London you know I, I do a lot of my meetings and everything in central London I thought the worst thing to do when you go to a fertility clinic is to bump into someone you know so I thought, Lots right. of people, that's quite a rational thought. Yeah, because totally normal. When would that ever happen, well, exactly. Danny? When, when would, would that happen? ever happen? <laughs> well, as I researched, I found some clinic kind of outside London that weren't too far from where I lived. And I dragged my husband to an open evening. Actually, no, not dragged. That's a bit unfair. He went very happily to an open evening. And we were running late as usual, driving frantically from central London from work. We just sort of made it as you guys started presenting. So can I just tell a bit from, from the other side of the table? So yes. Do you in, remember me running I in? I remember Do absolutely you? crystal clearly. <laughs> oh God. But you know, we hold these evenings, most clinics will hold these evenings about once a month. You normally have the same kind of format. You have a doctor or someone saying about what you do in the clinic. You'll have a nurse saying like myself, what we do in the clinic. But you'll have most couples or individuals sitting, watching, kind of like, dull expressions on their face what in god's name are we doing here but then all of a sudden on this night danny on this night night. all of a sudden there's a a lovely lady who'd come rushing in like completely like oh my god oh my god we're late we're late sorry 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 very very british so sorry so sorry sorry. and she crashes through another table so sorry so so you sit at the back 
But then what's most noticeable is not often do you see people all of a sudden putting the clipboard up to cover their face. So <laughs> this was just really weird because yeah. you couldn't see the presentation. Yeah. You just constantly had this clipboard up covering your face. <laughs> so I actually just left with the thought that you were weird. I just oh, thought, no. oh, it's just, okay, it's just a weird one. But Danny, tell us, tell us why you were covering well, your Well, I face. was covering up because as I ran in uh, and uh, sat at the back of the room, I looked over and there was my ex-boyfriend and his <laughs> wife. <laughs> I could hear that story a million times. Oh my times. God. When, when, when does that, how, what? I know. On the one night, the clinic far away from anyone I would ever know monthly open evenings exactly I mean what are the chances anyway anyway it was fine it was all good and actually it turns out that the clinic is where I've ended up and it's been incredible like the staff you meeting you my lifeline no it's really true getting me into that support group because it took you a while to get me into that support group you know what's what's you gave me that look um as if yeah. to say with tears running down my face yeah but as if to say i don't need support you know i've got friends and family and why would i need to speak to some people i don't even know and i honestly feel like a car salesman sometimes yeah when i know <laughs> i know but <laughs> well, you sell it very well oh my god i just i'm like you need to talk you need to meet these people and you need to talk and sadly i think you know sometimes People just say no, no, no. It's fine, and I. But know, it's not fine. It's not you know, fine. you can see it on your. You can see it on my face. You saw what you saw it on my face. No, I'm so glad you came back. I just, but for all those people who don't come back, and I know they're at home in their room sobbing their heart on their out. Laptop, I just looking think, at Google, oh god, looking at the worst forums. Yeah, you're not alone. No, got to get that message out there. So the message is from today. <laughs> a, you're not alone. You are not alone. B, it's 50-50. Everyone needs a Simone in their life. Oh, <laughs> But you know, it's, it's the nicest thing. It sounds so cheesy, but if you can help people. It's so true oh though. Oh my God. I kind Honestly, of feel like my, my presence on this planet is a little bit justified. You are wholly justified. Oh, you just feel a little bit better about yourself. I go, yeah, this is... It's fine. It's fine to be vulnerable. It's fine to be cry. It's going to be fine. You just need the support of people to go, look, we know what you're going through and we're going through it as well. Yeah. Keeping it all to yourself is just, yes, it's a personal journey, but come on now. Let's just be frank and open and honest about what's going on. You're going to feel better and you're going to give yourself a better chance of conceiving. So, Danny, you have to be queen of openness <laughs> and queen of I'll give it a go if I think it will help. Absolutely. You actually inspire me so much in that you've you've actually just said okay I want to be pregnant whether it's the Chinese herbalist down the road who claims to have the right ingredients for you yeah or the acupuncturist yeah or the doctor or the massage therapist I mean my gosh I think you've seen everybody I I think I've pretty much seen everyone in London to be quite honest (laughs) any that you wish you hadn't do you wish you approached the journey differently no because it's all an experience isn't it and for me I'm I'm approaching it if if it can get me pregnant I'll I'll try anything and anyone but a lot of things you know it's I think it's good to see what's out there I think it's good to be open to all different possibilities look at what complements medicine and for me you know I've read and tried a lot of acupuncture you know I think that is crystal amazing crystals yeah (laughs) I've seen a shaman I mean I have done it all but 
I like A, to experience that and also to see if it helps, you know, it doesn't need to, you know, I know it's probably not going to get me pregnant sometimes, you know, I know the herbs, I know the the shaman might not get me pregnant. But, you know, likewise, you will have people who swear by these things. Totally. But if it relaxes me and makes me think more positively, then that can only be a good thing. Well, you know, in the next episodes, we are going to explore. We're going to see the pros and the cons. We're going to meet some amazing people. We've got an amazing female fertility doctor. I stress the female aspect. Yeah, it's quite a rarity. It's quite a rarity. And, you know, women can just feel a lot more relaxed. Comfortable. Yeah. Totally get it. Um, Sometimes when we're using different gadgets in our sensitive regions, another woman will realise how to be sensitive in those regions. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, I'm sorry, male doctors, consultants out there, I'm not generalising, but sometimes men are just They don't get sometimes the anxiety that women go through when, you know, (laughs) they are having to do these things to themselves. Yeah, you know, who knew a speculum could really be so painful? Who knew what what a speculum was? (laughs) Well, we'll be covering that in future episodes. We do champion the girls here. We We, do. We've got another female embryologist. Yeah. Quite important figures in this whole journey. Totally, like they're intrinsic to any treatment. They really are. And they have a lot of responsibility once you've done your bit and your other half has done his bit, if you have another half. But once you've got the ingredients there, what goes on in the lab is down to them. Yeah. There's a specific method called ICSI. We will touch on this in more detail. Don't give it all away. I won't give it all away. (laughs) And we're also going to be delving into the holistic side, which is super exciting, a real personal favourite of mine. We're going to be looking at acupuncture, which is known to be a great success story for many people. And we're also going to look at nutrition because that is key part of the whole process. Both massive parts. In terms of nutrition, at conference this year, ESHRA, which is one of the main fertility conferences in Europe, the big talk was about nutrition god thank goodness it's about bloody time (laughs) honestly so it's you are what you eat i think it all comes back to what we're eating but we're going to cover that in in more detail yeah 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 so if you want to know more about some of the things we've been talking about have a look at our show notes for further information and support and do get in touch with us on instagram at the mission baby podcast or on email the mission baby gmail.com Right, well, we better start getting on with it. We better. And Danny, good luck with everything that you're going through at the moment. We're all rooting for you. Thank you. And keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith.